Welcome back to The Blackout. Of course, we always come to you from bellyupsports.com. He is Alan Denton and can be found on Twitter at AD on the Blackout. I'm Thomas Black and can be found on Twitter at TB on the Blackout. And it is time for a championship week pick'em pod. Alan, that is because we are down to week 14 in the college football season. It's time for championships and conferences all around the country. And it's time to crown some champions of our two contests here in the regular season with the ATS pick'em over on CBS Sports and the confidence pick'em over on ESPN.com. Man, honestly, it's kind of hard to believe that the end of the year is already here, isn't it? And, uh, We've got some tight races on both sides. Some very, very tight races up at the top of the leaderboard, and we will document that as we go. So let's go ahead and rewind back to what happened in week 13 against the spread. Alan, you had a rough week after a strong win the week before. You went 3-7 and seven against the spread. Your wins were James Madison minus 13.5, Oregon plus 3.5, and, and Washington minus 2.5. The losses were Clemson minus 14 and a half as an ATS lock, Western Kentucky minus seven and a half, Wake Forest minus three and a half, Wisconsin minus two and a half, Notre Dame plus five and a half as one half of an ATS lock party, San Diego State plus one and a half, and Ohio State minus seven and a half. So what are your thoughts after a rough week now heading into the final week of the regular season? Who man. I could not have been more wrong about that Clemson game, even though they got out to a 14 to nothing jump. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a walk in the park. But I don't know exactly what has happened to South Carolina. I don't know if they've just saved their best for last and that they were just like, hey, eight and four sounds great as long as we beat two top 10 teams in the last two weeks. But Spencer Rattler, I mean, he had two interceptions again, but it didn't matter. He played really well. They're able to pull it out. Just a huge win for that program. And so that one was really, really bad, but totally unexpected on not just my end, but obviously on Vegas's end too. In regards to James Madison, that's a really good football team and is something that you and I talked about privately that they were getting their quarterback back and that's something that coastal carolina didn't have they don't have grace in the call so that ended up being just a blowout and one of my three puny tiny wins for the week a puny tiny win it was but a big one and you got on the side of a big win you know that's the thing to me with an ats pick'em. you don't want to be on the bad side of blowouts right you want to hit on as many of those as possible so you're going to miss some big plays by some relatively big margins but if you can hit on the blowouts and get a good read on those games that's an excellent spot to be in so hitting on james madison was a good one and frankly there were not very many people in our pick'em contest on either side that were on james madison you know we talk all the time about how records rankings and those types of things play an effect on people but there are a lot of people who don't look at the spreads and when you don't understand that Grayson McCall is sitting out for Coastal Carolina one of the most important players in the country and that's something that even though we didn't talk about it directly here on the show if you follow us on Twitter you can see some of this stuff because every week I try to document as much information as possible especially injury information on my Twitter account you know I put a set of emoji eyeballs on there and I put the mm-hmm. hashtag CFB pick pod 
And if you just click that link, you're going to see those tweets come out on a regular basis. They're retweeted from the show as well. You're going to see all that kind of stuff. So it's stuff that I think is very pertinent to our Pick'em each and every week. It doesn't always indicate exactly where I'm going to make my play or anything like that, but it's news that should be paid attention to. And it's stuff that you have to be aware of. If you're not aware that Grayson McCall is out, again, one of the most significant players in the entire country, then you wouldn't understand why James Madison is a two-touchdown favorite. But when you pick them, and I'll say, I had thoughts about picking Coastal Carolina plus the points, but I ended up with James Madison as well. That's valuable information to take in. Yeah, it was. That was the type of thing that definitely feels like this could be a significant thing. And if it was going to go onto one side of that, this was the type of event that made me choose to go with James Madison. Very much the case. Alan, you're 0-2 week with ATS locks. Hurt pretty bad. You're now 11-15 and 15 on the season. That ensures that you're going to be under 500 on the season as we wrap up. You're hitting at 42% there. On the season against the spread, you were 57 and 71, hitting at a little under 45%. You're 19th place and 10 points off the lead. So we can wrap up the discussion where you're at as far as finishing in the top three. You've just got too many people in front of you, even if you went undefeated or something like that. It's just not going to happen. But uh, what have you learned and how have you felt as we close up this season, as we go into championship week? That's a great question. I honestly don't know <laughs> what what I've learned yet. I've learned that I'm not great at it, but it has been a, just a very different style of play. So, hey, it's something that's been a lot of fun. If nothing else, there are very, very small margins when you're talking about an ATS pick'em, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's razor thin. Razor thin margins, and most weeks when you're in a confidence pick'em, you're just looking for winners a six and four kind of week feels really bad most of the time. Now there've been yeah. times this year where a six and four week might be kind of good, especially if you put your point values in the right spots. But this year, when you're doing an ATS pick them, a six and four week is really, really solid. Anything above that is golden and a five and five week. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just once you start getting down below those numbers, that things really stack up in a negative fashion for you, but it's been a fun contest so far and we'll see how it plays out here over the final weekend. Absolutely. My ATS week went really, really well, Alan. Week 13 was good to me. I went seven and three in my picks. The wins were James Madison minus the 13 and a half, FAU plus seven and a half, Oregon State plus three and a half, Duke plus three and a half, Minnesota plus two and a half, Washington minus two and a half as an ATS lock, Michigan plus seven and a half. The losses were Clemson minus 14 and a half. Notre Dame plus five and a half as the other half of that ATS lock party and San Diego State plus one and a half. So, Alan, I'm going to start on the negative side. It was another lock party failure on both of us taking Notre Dame plus the points. It felt really good. And hey, I'll say it this way. I think this game really could have played out in our favor, at least against the spread, because you're sitting there 17-7 at halftime. Notre Dame comes out of the gate in the second half and is moving down the field, looking like they very well can cut the lead to three points. It's been a competitive game to this point. Then there's a turnover, and in a flash, all of a sudden, Southern Cal goes up by 17 points, and then covering, backdoor, whatever you'd want to call it, is completely gone just about at that point, and everything that we had going in our favor with Notre Dame that still felt like a reasonably good pick was out the door in just a flash. 100%. Caleb Williams had his Heisman moment and Drew Pine 
had his worst game in quite a while with a couple of turnovers and just wasn't quite there. USC's defense played way above their heads. That's not something I anticipated, at least. And that's a game that if things played out as normal, then I think Notre Dame was perfectly capable of covering that one. But hey, weird things happen in football, and it was a really fun game to watch. You got to see Caleb Williams be all that he really is. Most definitely. Alan, one that came out really in my favor was Michigan plus seven and a half points. Now, I picked Ohio State to win the game in the confidence pick them, and I had them at a pretty high value. But this is one that I flipped actually Saturday, some point during the day. I guess it was sometime Saturday morning because this game was at noon. But this was one that I was waiting on information about Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards with Michigan. I wanted to know whether those guys were going to play. And for a lot of last week, that was kind of in doubt. And when I found out those guys were going to play, I decided to flip my pick in the ATS pick them to Michigan plus the points. I just remember with that thing being north of a touchdown, I remembered how last year Michigan really mauled Ohio State in the run game. They did it all game long. I thought maybe there was a chance that could happen again. I think we hadn't really seen Ohio State tested in that way. Turns out Ohio State really defended the run pretty well. Blake Corum really wasn't a factor at all because he left the game early with his injury. And Donovan Edwards was okay, but it was really J.J. McCarthy that made some decent plays, some of it I think a little lucky at times, and really springing the long pass touchdowns for Michigan that really got under the skin of Ohio State and allowed them to get the lead and then pull away in the end. It's the reason, ultimately, I feel like that Harbaugh went with McCarthy earlier in the year. It was his potential explosiveness in a game like this that they had to win because the rest of their schedule is essentially playing no one. So they were setting up for a game like this, and he made the plays that he had to make. Ultimately, it broke their back. The ATS locks for me went one and one on the week. That brings me to the exact same mark that Allen is at with 11 and 15 on the season, hitting at a little over 42%. Overall, though, against the spread, I am 66 and 62, hitting at over 51% on the season. And Alan, get this, my seven and three week was huge because now I sit in fourth place all by myself. Fourth doesn't sound that great when you're talking about competition for the top spot, but it's how many points I'm back because I'm now one game off the lead. Last week, I was five games back, so I really dug out of a big hole, and I'm sitting right there in contention now with our leaders as we go into the final weekend. And now that's impressive, dude. You've got to feel good about that. You've established yourself as, I mean, you and Will and Alex, y'all know what you're doing. Definitely some contenders up at the top of the leaderboard. And I'm glad I can say for the first time, I think really all season, that I'm absolutely in contention. I think there were a number of times I felt like I was kind of close, but there was always a hole I was digging out of. But I all of a sudden dug out of the hole, and now I just have a little bit of more distance to go to be able to climb up into one of those top three spots, if not all the way to the very top. So it's going to be a fun last weekend, and we will see how it goes down. But I think this podcast can leave some insight for everybody. 
you know, whether it's leaders or whether it's people trying to catch up. So we're going to see if we can give out some of that as we go. So, Alan, we are now 0-4 on the season in lock parties. However, if people have ended up on the right side of lock blocks, I've had to adjust our picks just a little bit. If people ended up on the right side of our only lock block of the season, then people would have gone 22-25 and so far this season. That would land you in a spot of 15th place on the leaderboard. Of course, that has not gone quite as well as Alan and I would have hoped, but we've still got one weekend to hopefully make up a little bit for that. Now, Alan, you've alluded to it just a little bit. We do have three people who are tied for our top spot headed into the last weekend. Will, Alex, and Derek all are sitting at the exact same record of 67 and 61, hitting it over 52% of their picks. Now, one of the things we have to talk about going into the last weekend is the tiebreaker. And this really pertains because we've got three people up at the top of the leaderboard, and I would not be surprised if we have a couple of them land with the exact same record this coming weekend. So the tiebreaker score that we're giving out is absolutely vital to get in. Get that as close as you possibly can because if this past weekend had been the last weekend, Will all of a sudden would have jumped up and taken first place, that $100 Visa gift card, plus a blackout t-shirt. He was only four points off the total versus Alex, who had fallen second, was five points off the total. And Derek, who was in third, was only 12 points off the total. So a touchdown was the difference between third place and second place. One point was the difference between second place and first place. So, Alan, that is absolutely important to pay attention to. It's important for me as well, making sure that I get a score that can put me in a position to take one of these spots from these guys as we head into Saturday. Very much so. It's game on now. In the confidence pick we have a different story to look at. Alan, you're coming off a 5-5 five and five week with 26 points. The wins were Washington at a 9, James Madison at a 7, Western Kentucky at a 6, Oregon State at a 3 as a confidence value pick, and Minnesota at a 1. Your losses were Clemson at a 10, Ohio State at an 8, Notre Dame at a 5 as a confidence value pick, Wake Forest at a 4, and San Diego State at a 2. So where's your head at as we head into the last week? Had a good beat on that Washington game. That was something I felt pretty doggone good about. They rolled. Western Kentucky probably should have lost, but I managed to get that one out of six. (laughs) And so uh, I was like, I'll take it, whatever. That Oregon State game was wild, man. That was just crazy getting down, what was it, 31 to 10? Oregon got up on them, and then they came back and just roared back. And the ending was much closer to what I was anticipating. When it got out to a three-touchdown game, I was like, oh, my word. How did I miss this one so badly? And then <laughs> then Bad Bonick showed up, and uh, Oregon State put it all back together. They had played horribly up to that point, and kudos to them for making it happen. We're also talking about two of three weeks now where Dan Lanning has had a fourth and one shot on their own end of the field with, I don't know, a handful of minutes left in the game or something like that go wrong. You know, Bo Nix had another one in yeah. this game where he did it against Utah. He said, apparently on the sideline, somebody asked him, are you capable of running this ball with his injury? And he said, yeah, give me a chance. He got the first down there. They got the win. But then you come to this one. He tried the exact same thing against Oregon State. And he tried it against an athletic defensive back who read it the whole way, grabbed him, dragged him to the ground. And that was where Oregon State really was able to gain control of the game. 
Alan, your record now overall in the confidence pick'em is 79 and 49. You have 453 points. You're sitting at 91.5 in the percentile rank. You're in 12th place in the contest and 23 points off the lead. I know you were looking for a bigger jump than that, but you did have a reasonably good week. It just didn't come out in your favor as much as you were looking for. So how do you feel as we finish up week 13? Well, honestly, a little disappointed. It could have been much, much bigger in a few ways. It hurt losing that Wake Forest game at the last second. It really hurt that Notre Dame wasn't able to pull that off. That would have been a massive game. Just taking that L just kind of deflated it. Now, my goal is just jump in that top 10 for the overall standings at the end of the year. I love that opportunity. It's there for you. I know you wish that you would have a chance at one of those top spots, maybe in the the top five. It's not quite going to happen, but I think we were exactly right this past week with the volatility that was on the board, the chance for upsets. I think there were just so many. It was hard to identify enough right ones to really stand out amongst the crowd because so many people took L's across the board. There was a lot of jostling, and some of the guys had both of those early upsets. I think Bruce, longtime listener and supporter, he had both South Carolina and Michigan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the kind of a week that shoots you up the board. Definitely. My week 13 was only slightly better than Allen's. I went six and four in my picks and had 30 points. My wins were James Madison at a 10, Washington at a seven, Minnesota at a five, Western Kentucky at a four, Duke at a three as a confidence value pick, and Oregon State at a one. The losses were Clemson at a nine, Ohio State at an eight, San Diego State at a six as a confidence value pick and Notre Dame at a two. The things that happened on my board, Alan, of course, the San Diego State pick did not play out in my favor. They lost 13-3. to It kind of felt like it should have been a much closer game than it was, but it wasn't that close in the long run. And my pick of Jalen Maiden coming through for me with the Aztecs, I don't know. He kind of gave them an opportunity at times, and he also blew up a couple of times throwing some bad picks that really shut down the opportunities for the Aztecs to make a game of it and have a shot to win. So I still would stand by my pick. It just did not come out in my favor, and I feel like if this game was played a bunch more times, we would have a one-score game probably a ton of times. You know, both teams probably coming out with an edge either way. Uh, but this one certainly was not in my favor. On the good end, I did hit with my Duke pick as a confidence value pick. Kind of as you alluded to, this game was back and forth. And I really feel like even today, it could have gone absolutely either way. So I'm not going to proclaim it was some amazing pick. But for people who had Wake Forest with a lot of points on it, I don't think it was super deserved. And if you were bold enough to go with Duke, obviously it came out in your favor. So I hope some people came away with that one. Getting that win was big for me. And when you talk about Minnesota, that's one that I ended up with. I think last week it was me giving out the pick for the Blue Devils at a five. But when I was looking at the games on Saturday morning, I actually flipped Duke down to a three and Minnesota up to a five. That's because the news came out for Wisconsin that Braylon Allen was not going to play in the game. If you watched any of College Game Day, you would have heard Kirk Herbstreet say that. He said it, and my eyes opened, my ears perked up, and I went, what did he just say? 
So I started searching Twitter all throughout the afternoon looking for information on this game. And as I saw more and more confirmations that it sounded like Braylon Allen was sitting out, there were some rumors that he may be transferring in the future, something like that. I decided that was enough for me. I thought Wisconsin's best offensive player sitting out in a game that I kind of feel like is a toss-up. That was enough for me to flip over to Minnesota after how they'd performed in recent weeks. And that one really came out in my favor. Again, paying attention to the injury type information or availability information that's out there and sometimes floats out late in the week. I think that's incredibly important to do on a weekly basis in these contests if you're going to finish near the top. 100%. I flipped it because of that. I had Wisconsin low and I flipped it to Minnesota. That was the type of news that I'm like, nope, that is not a good thing. So it was worthy enough for me to just get the heck up out of that one. (laughs) The total ranking for me goes as follows. I am 78 and 50 on my picks for throughout the season. I have 447 points and I sit at 87.9 in the percentile rank. I'm in 14th place, 29 points off the lead. So, you know, things didn't go great for me this past week. We identified the chance to be able to climb up a lot of points. I did gain some ground on the leaders, but it just wasn't enough. And I'm like you, Alan. I'm going to be looking for a spot, hopefully inside the top 10, with a good week closing out here. So I think it's an admirable goal, and hopefully it looks reasonably good on our part as we wrap up this season during the regular season before our bowl season contest as well. Exactly. I mean, once you're at this point, the past couple of weeks, could we have pushed up a little bit higher if we would have taken some more favorites? Sure, 100% we could have, but that's not any fun. <laughs> we we want to go for it. So we've gone for it, and now let's uh, let's just get into that top 10. It would be a joy to see go down, and of course I'll be in the running for the ATS Pick'em as well, so we at least have some good competition. Our leader right now in the confidence Pick'em is Jorge. He sits there with 476 points atop the leaderboard in the 99th percentile. He has a four-point lead on second place, a seven-point lead on third place, and a 12-point lead on fourth place. So that has compressed a little bit. He doesn't have as much insurance as he did heading into week 13, but Jorge has been really, really good, and he certainly stands a good shot of walking away with at least a prize, if not the top spot overall. Very much so. He's done an incredible job this year and is a deserved winner because it's been a rough year so it's not as if it's been an easy year of picks maybe the most challenging of all that I remember just because ESPN's done a great job of differentiating the games well we've talked about a number of times that we have seen ESPN go away from some of your name brand programs more so this year than they ever have before because it used to be in this confidence pick that you could always count on pretty much every single week kind of one 10-point favorite, if not two, and then at least one 14- or 17-point favorite. And that has been trimmed down incredibly to where some weeks you've got 10 single-digit favorites. Uh, Sometimes you trend up and have one at kind of a 10 or a 14, but it's been very, very rare. And the weeks in which you have multiple double-digit favorites has been incredibly infrequent. So ESPN's definitely done a good job of 
I don't know, loosening up some of the predictability and inevitability of some of the matchups they've had, and it's opened up the door. And uh, this also goes along with what we've seen in college football because there have been so many upsets this year and less dominant teams. This also helped with that. But they have certainly Mm -hmm. gone away from some of the traditional matchups they've given us with your Georgias and your Clemsons and your Ohio States and your Alabamas. We've just seen those teams less often when you frequently see them as bigger favorites on these pick boards. Exactly. And I love that. I think it's a very, very good thing. It'll be interesting to see if that is a sticking point going forward, but I would think that it would be. And one quick note, Alan, before I forget about it, I'm going to go ahead and give Jorge a shout out because I don't know if you remember this, but there might be a couple people out there who do, but Jorge is the winner of our confidence pick during bowl season last year. So right now he's in first place of this one. He won it last year during the bowl pick He's looking for back-to-back championships with the blackout as we go into the final week of this contest. That's really remarkable. And that's not a fluke type of thing at all. <laughs> so kudos to him. No doubt about it. Alan, let's go ahead and dive into some picks. Because I had the stronger week a week ago, I'll start us off. And Alan, with my first ATS lock, Over on CBSSports.com, I am going to look at the Big 12 Championship. And I'll go ahead and be honest with you. I did not like a lot of the spreads that we had over on CBS Sports to give out as locks. But I'm going to stick with this one anyway. Even though it's not quite exactly what I wish it to be, I'm going to look at Kansas State versus TCU in a big-time matchup. Now, we've seen these teams play once before because the Big 12 plays a round-robin during the regular season. We saw TCU win on their home field 38-28 to amongst an undefeated season. But when you look at this game even deeper, and it's one that we picked here on the show, I took Kansas State plus the points as a lock earlier. I lost it. But when you look at it, the Wildcats were up in this game 28-10. to They also led 28-17 to at the half. But it was quarterback injuries that really took over this game. Adrian Martinez played only one drive. Then Will Howard came in, and he was tearing up the Horned Frogs. And then he went down, and Jake Rubley came in and was terrible. They actually went back to Will Howard, but it wasn't enough before TCU really took over this game. So I'm going to lean on what we saw before, and I'm also going to look at the performance of what these teams have done of late. With Kansas State, you know, going back over the last month or so, they had that loss to Texas where they were down big in the first half, but they came clawing back and nearly won that game against the Longhorns. They had the win at Baylor where they really dominated. They had that kind of funky win against West Virginia on the road where it was high scoring. They gave up some points. They scored some points, but they had separation and control of that game throughout. And then most recently, they beat Kansas in a game. They won by 20 points. Sure, they gave up some points, but they won 47 to 27, a very comfortable win. On the other hand, with TCU, we've seen an uncomfortable win against Texas Tech where they were down 17-13, to headed into the fourth quarter. Sure, they won by 10 points. Then they had that low-scoring, ugly game with Texas, where their offense was really limited, winning 17-10. to We saw them go on the road to Baylor, where they won 29-28, but Baylor really had control of a lot of that game, running for over 230 yards, having over 500 yards of offense as a whole. And then you might say, well, they got things right this past week in their win against Iowa State, Allen, the score was 62-14. to Looks like pure domination, but when you look at the details of that game, it was pick six aided multiple times. It was fumble recoveries on a short field. It was a kickoff return setting up a touchdown because with 62 points, Texas Christian 
only had 377 yards of offense. They only outgained Iowa State by 47 yards in a game where they blew them out, winning the game by 48 points. So to me, that does not correlate at all. And this should have been a much, much closer game against Iowa State. So Alan, I was on Kansas State the first time on the road at TCU. Now we've got a neutral site where Kansas State was up big on the road against the Horned Frogs. I'm going to take Kansas State again. I told you I don't love it. It's a hair smaller of a spread than we had the first go around. Last time I took Kansas State plus three and a half on the road at TCU. This time we have Kansas State plus two and a half. But I'm going to go with the underdog. You can lock it up. I'm going to have the Wildcats on my pick and board against the spread, going with the underdog and upsetting the undefeated TCU Horned Frogs. I love that. I love it. I'm going to talk a little about this one in the confidence side of things in just a moment, but I may be drinking some of the juice that you're drinking. I love it. You ready to move forward? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Before you give us your take on the confidence value pick with this matchup inside the Big 12, Alan, where are you going against the spread on CBS Sports? I'm going to look at another rematch. These rematch games are fascinating to me, and this won't be the only one that I hit on, but we know it's really hard to beat a team twice. It's very, very difficult to do it, and quite frankly, I don't think it's going to be done in this one. Tulane and UCF is an interesting matchup. It's still kind of iffy, uncertain on the health of John Rice Plumley going into this one, as you look at the spread, Tulane is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and this one is hosted by Tulane. That's a pretty big deal, in my opinion. This is where they played the last time, but UCF were able to win. That was maybe a month ago. Tulane is playing good football. They actually are able to retain their coach after Georgia Tech inexplicably basically throws a coup over a guy that's winning a lot of games and Willie Fritz. I think Tulane rallies behind them and they cover that three and a half point spread over an uncertain UCF team. Well, if we have a situation in which John Rice Plumley does not play, I really like the side that you're on. I don't know where I'm going to go on this one as we record here on Tuesday night. And a lot of it just does stem from that John Rice Plumley information. You know, he's banged up. He gave it a go last week in their game against USF, and he was tearing the Bulls apart. And then he continued to bang up. I think it's his knee that's giving him problems. And so they sat him for a lot of that game, and it went back and forth, and UCF barely came away with the win. But I think he is significant for this matchup. And when you look at what happened the first time these teams played, John Rice Plumley was huge. And he impacted that game greatly. So I don't know. I'm going to kind of wait. I feel like I saw something on Twitter earlier this week that said that UCF would try to get their knowledge around the situation, whether they were going to give him a go come Wednesday this week, uh, something like that. So I don't know if that information is going to leak out. I don't know if it's going to be available anytime before kickoff, but it's going to be one that I follow closely because I think that's a very significant play on this matchup. I agree with you. The fact that the game is at Tulane, I think is a big deal, but this is going to be one that I am going to follow closely. If I can find out anything about the percentage health of John Rice Plumley, that's going to be a big, big deal. Cause to me, he looked pretty good until he got banged up again last week, 
But um, if he feels like he's a go for me, then I feel like I might be on the other side with UCF plus the points, just knowing that, hey, they could keep the game within a field goal and that'd be good enough for the win. But this is going to be one that I just have to track as we go throughout the week for injury news. Sure. That's a huge deal because John Rice Pumley, he is the difference maker. So really because of that, I just get the feeling that, you know, he's not going to be fully healthy regardless. And if you get knocked out once in a game just because you're not that healthy, I feel like it could be something very similar. So it's one of those things where I'm with you. I don't feel great about any of these spreads this week, but this is one that I identify. I'm like, okay, if Tulane is going to win this game, I think they'll win it by more than three points. So that gives me the chance to take that as a lock. Yeah, and I think that's a really smart rationale, thinking about even if John Rice Plumley plays, how limited is he? That's a big time question. You know, that's kind of the philosophy that I carried into our matchup last week with Oregon and Oregon State. You know, when Bo Nix is going out there and he's hobbled and you're going up against a good Oregon State defense, that's kind of the same thing you're looking at with JRP versus this Tulane defense. So I, mm. I, I think there's a lot of good rationale there. And it's certainly what's making me consider both sides of this matchup for sure. Yeah. All right. Now, as we head off to confidence picks, let's take a look at the Big 12 championship once again. I don't have a lot to add to this one because of how I broke down the game previously. When I look at a pick and board that has a small favorite, yet I see a very high percentage of people on that favorite in comparison and relative to how close this game very well could be, it makes me want to play the underdog more often, especially when I would need to make up some ground on the pick and board. So we have TCU as a two and a half point favorite on the live spread over on ESPN. If you were to follow the spread, this is the lowest line that we have this week. It's tied with another one. So you would put the Horned Frogs at either a one or a two. But Alan, I am going to flip it. I don't like Kansas State just to cover on the road with a small spread. Of course, I would love it if it was more than a field goal, but I do like the Wildcats to possibly win this game. And I'm going to flip it into a spot that's going to pick up some good points for myself if it does go my way. I don't feel quite as good as I did about it the first time, but I still think Kansas State's a really good team. So I'm going to be on the Wildcats at about a five this week. I think they have a great shot to win this game. And I think they were certainly the better team when they played the first time. It just didn't come out on the scoreboard that way. And I think there's going to be a lot of people missing that factor and forgetting how well Kansas State played in that game previously earlier this season. And I think that's going to be a big mistake. Yeah, I agree. I'm flipping it and I'm going Kansas State over TCU as well. And I feel pretty good about this one especially I think Will Howard's the better quarterback than Adrian Martinez. He's able to do so much more through the air. And I just have had this feeling that, as you mentioned, with them barely skirting by Baylor and the week before barely skirting by Texas. Now, those were good wins. Don't get me wrong. But still, like, neither of those were real confidence boosters. And this past week, Iowa State is one of – not the most disappointing team in all of college football for as good of a defense as they had. Their offense is just maybe the worst in the country. They're just awful. So because of that, I really like this matchup with Kansas state over the Horn frogs. And so I'm pushing it up the board to a four or a five. Excellent. Same territory. 
I think when you're looking at this matchup, it makes a lot of sense to put a reasonably high number on Kansas State. You know, you could go higher than that if you want, but where we just talked about what ESPN has done much of this season, where they have taken out a lot of the larger favorites, you can't do that during championship week. So we do have a lot of sizable favorites on the pick and board this week. And this is just one of those ones that to me feels really iffy. There's a lot of potential, I think, for Kansas State to be able to win this game and pick up some points for a lot of people. And uh, it would certainly benefit you and me, sounds like, as we end up in the same type of realm with this pick on our boards. It sure would. I hope this one turns out better than the the Notre Dame-USC one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Alan, as we wrap things up now, thank you for your pick, sir. I cannot wait to see what goes down in this Big 12 championship, being that we're both on the same side. But here's a little pro tip that I'll also give. All right, we've given indications of where we're headed on two ATS locks. And frankly, this is the only contest that we can say really has a lot of significance in this way. But Alan and I are going to do our best to be in contention for these contests every single year in what we do. The, the fact is, is like we talked about, I trimmed the lead on our ATS Pick'em with our leaders all the way down to one. We do have a trio of leaders there. So one of the advantages you can get in listening to this podcast is you know that I'm right at the top of the leaderboard. And if you listen to this show, even if you're ahead of me by a spot, you could look at it as a defense mechanism going, hey, maybe I'm unsure about these games. Maybe I want to just pick the exact same side as Thomas and give myself the chance to either defend my lead, or even if we take losses, it's evening me up on the same side either way. You could do that. Of course, if you disagree strongly, you could go the other way and listen to my rationale for where I'm going. But Alan, it's one of the things we look at with this thing, that we can talk about these matchups in ways that can help both people coming from behind. We can also give an advantage to the people who are ahead of us in trying to defend their lead. Yeah, it's all about kind of smart <laughs> smart things where you pick up and You just hope that uh, along the way you pick up enough information to hold on. It'll be interesting to see how it goes down, but uh, we'll see where we go from here. So, Alan, you got any tidbits to give us? Maybe just conferences that you're diving into. Of course, people will know what matchups, but anything you want to guide us to what you're going to be looking at in the bonus pick and pod. Absolutely. I'm going to take a shot at the the SEC game, and I'm going to go to another rematch in this next one. And we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about Frank Harris and UTSA. Oh, boy. I'm excited. I'm doing the exact same thing. So I'm looking at Conference USA as well and one of my matchups. And I'm gonna also going to talk about the ACC championship between Clemson and North Carolina. So we're going to have some crossover. It sounds like what we're talking about. And if you're paying attention to what we're doing, we also have to talk about the fact that we have two Friday night games to pick this week. So do not be the person that does not check your picks until Saturday morning. You have to get on this thing early this week. That includes the Conference USA Championship. That includes the Pac-12 Championship because you do not want to be the person that's sitting there, especially if you're in that top three and you wait until Saturday morning in the ATS pick them. And then all of a sudden you realize, "Uh uh-oh, there were games last night. And even if there's people up in the top five who go one and one in those two games, that's a big loss that you could take. So you have to get on this thing early this week. We've let everybody know through our email, through our social media, through this podcast episode, we're talking about it. And as we go into our bonus pick on pod, if you join our team 
by donating just $2.50 this month over on Patreon. You're going to get access to our bonus Pick'em Pod where you can pick up what we are laying down with the Friday night matchup in Conference USA. And that can get you ahead of the game just a little bit, depending on where you are in the standings. 100%. Alan, thank you for your time. We'll talk to you on the other side, sir. Absolutely, man. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.